nothing for it. Gentlemen, you can't fight in here. This is the war room. Welcome to the Cornhusker Corner with Blake. Everyone in this room is now dumber for having listened to it. I award you no points, and may God have mercy on your soul. And Brooks. Is mayonnaise an instrument? And you better bet your bottom dollar that these two brothers know how to handle business. Here's a hand up to Thunder who gives it back to Mike Stokes. He's going to throw it. He's got a man out. All right. Welcome to the Corn Husker Corner where there's no place like this podcast. Oh my God. This podcast. As always, your, <laughs> your host, Blake, and my brother, Brooks. Brooks. So, here we are. Uh, Purdue week. Purdue week. Um, another away game for the uh, Cornhuskers. Um, not, not a ton has happened this week, uh, but there's been some things that we should probably talk about right off the bat. Um, we had a somebody in, enter the transfer portal. And I've right. never, uh, Castaneda was his, one of his names. I just, <laughs> Isaiah, I, Isaiah Garcia Castaneda. Garcia Castaneda. Um, yeah, Come on, I mean, man. He was, yeah. he had the best play of the year this year for the Scott Frost era. Come on, man. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, if we, take, take, look, like, let's be honest. Let's, let's take a trip back to four weeks ago, four and a half weeks ago. Uh, five weeks ago, <laughs> yeah, five weeks ago, five and a half weeks ago, actually. Uh, to, to the to six, the northwest, six, six weeks no, ago. no, no, five and a half. That's about right. Uh, to the northwestern game, first drive of the year, first drive of of the game, and uh, pass from Casey Thompson to to Isaiah Garcia Castaneda was the first touchdown of the year. It was a great catch, and um, let's be honest. You know, these past two weeks have been great, but it still feels like a bit of a consolation, even at this point, because the season already has taken a downturn. and Now we're kind of pulling our way out. So as as nice mm-hmm. as these wins have been, I don't remember a time where I was more joyful this year than right <laughs> after Isaiah Garcia Castaneda's touchdown that game. Because <laughs> I mean, it just felt like, oh, my God, like, like we're good. That's what it felt like. Yeah. <laughs> no, you, you, you're right. I mean, you're right. I remember just the precision that we just drove the ball down that drive was just, it was exciting. You're right. It was exciting. Uh, and then our defense took the field. But, right. you know. Um, and he was never the same after that fumble. He fumbled later on in the game. And we can debate all day whether it was a good or bad call. It was probably a bad call. But he never played the same after that. He dropped a bunch of balls, fumbled another ball against, I think it was Oklahoma. I don't remember. Um, but yeah, so, uh, and you know, I love the way Mickey put it in his press conference. He, he, they were like, you know, Isaiah, they asked him a question about Isaiah entering the transfer portal. And he, he just goes, well, that's his right. Um, he, he wanted to be the top receiver somewhere and we can't do that for him. <laughs> I was just like, and listen, he's not a, he's not a bad player at all, but our, our room is just stacked, especially with Hill, you know, taken, taken over one of those spots now as well. And you just, yeah, the, the room is just too talented now to have any yeah. buddy that just wants, like he wants to be a starter. But he's not a starter in that room, and so it's it's it, and it's really actually pretty encouraging um, that right. he's the only name that has transferred since Scott. Oh Patrick. yeah, 
And Tuesday was the last day that they could transfer until the actual transfer uh, deadline, which is, I think, yeah. the 5th of December. Um, so, and I, I know this will get tired, but uh, yeah, I just love the way that Mickey put it, too. Like, just so matter of fact, it's just like, yeah, I mean, he wants to be the top receiver somewhere, and it's not going to be here. So, <laughs> yeah. And, and and I know this is, this is like I said, is going to be kind of tired. People will... That Scott Frost comparing him to Scott Frost, Mickey and Scott Frost are two different people. Let's get that out of the way right off the bat. But I, I will say that I don't think we would have heard a comment that candid coming from Scott Frost because it always felt like uh, Scott just like had a way of protecting his players. And I don't mind when mm-hmm. a coach protects his players, but um, he to he to the point where I mean, think about it. We thought to basically like. A lot of people had an idea of like what the running back depth chart was going to be going into this year, right? Yeah. Everyone had an idea. And basically what it ended up being was completely swapped of what Scott Frost was saying in the press conferences. I mean, Scott Frost couldn't say enough good things about Gabe Urban and Ramir Johnson um, going into the, the, the season. And then we didn't even really see them until the – I mean, we've seen Gabe Urban. We still really haven't even seen Ramir Johnson. Um and uh, so I, I do think it's funny. Like Mickey, Mickey is just such a such a black and white, gonna tell it like it is person. Um, <laughs> it's the press conferences you get more out of them because there's you know that he's he's not gonna beat around the bush. If he can answer a question, he's gonna answer it honestly. And if he can't answer a question, he's gonna tell yeah. you that he can't answer it. And it's funny that you're saying that because before the season starts, you're like, these guys are masters at saying stuff and not saying stuff, but now they're saying stuff. So it was yeah. probably just, it was like, it was a Scott Frost thing. Like, don't say too much. And, yeah. you know, like, if you have nothing and maybe to they hide, didn't know what to say. <laughs> maybe they didn't know what to say. Maybe they didn't know what to say, man. I, I don't want to trash those guys too hard, but it's no. just the, 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 it's just so evident, especially defensively. Um, the 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 stark change. I mean, uh, Mickey was asked at the press conference yesterday. He's like, "What do you think the main difference is in why our defense has played better?" He was like, "We have a new defensive coordinator." Yeah, <laughs> like, like yeah. and he just left it at that. <laughs> and, and no, it's yeah, funny. again. Yeah, yeah. And now that we're going into like you, you talked about the press conferences a little bit, um, and we're we're not gonna talk in detail because there really isn't a lot of detail in terms of uh this mark whipple stuff that's coming out like maybe some health problems with either him um some with his wife or so, something's going on and so there was talk, mickey basically right? goes mickey basically goes he's so old he, he said it in a nicer way but he basically goes look he's so old he should be going around a car anyway <laughs> <laughs> Like yeah. he, he said, he said, he look, Mickey's, or he said, look, Whipple's been coaching for 46 years. I mean, he should probably be going around in a cart no matter what. <laughs> yeah. No, so I, I'm going to try to do something. And I'm sorry for the podcast uh, listeners here. Um, but I'm going to try to share screen because I started watching his press conference today, Mark Whipple's. And, um, you know, you have all this swirling around. And let me see if I can pull this up. Um, yeah, so I'm going to pull that up. I don't know if it's going to come through the stream or not, but this is just the opening image of him. And I don't know if you caught this too, um, but let's see. Let, let, me, let me play this for a little bit. 
that is the opening image yeah 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 he's just like wait play it play it for a second he just like sits there for a second <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah so it's like so it's like this opening image and he's then he's like oh back to himself <laughs> yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. but like but he's like having opens, an out-of-body moment <laughs> it's like it's just it's so it's so dramatic he just oh okay hurry up <laughs> but like yeah, when that, that right. first pop when that first popped up and i was just like oh my gosh he's he's about to die and then he gets back oh. to his normal self and you know yeah that I, hell varsity that hell varsity edit is one thing i saw i saw a different one husker online maybe and oh, they, it was they have a couple yeah they have a couple yeah. more seconds out front and yeah, he's, he's just sitting there like dozing off into space <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was, yeah. yeah, it was kind of funny. I hope I hope he's healthy. I like Mark Whipple. He seems like a nice guy. He reminds yeah. me a lot of of uh, one of my really good friend in high school's dads, um, and I think you'll probably know who I'm talking about. He just reminds me of a, a classic northeastern, hard nose, Pennsylvania guy. I mean, like really, he just reminds me of so many of the guys up there, uh, and. Uh, yeah, so I hope for his health, uh, yeah. Mr. Reardon. That's what I was thinking of, and I hope for his health. Um, yeah. And uh, and he's an important piece of it because we. It's not like we got an offensive coordinator, head coach anymore. Nobody else can take over play calling. That's as yeah. as equipped seemingly as Whipple. No, so. it's not. It's not like you know. You get rid of the defensive coordinator. I mean, you had guys in house that could definitely take over and do a competent right. job. Yeah, even if it failed, they could do the job. I look at our staff now. And, you know, you're like looking at what, what names could do it that have done it before. And there's really there's not anybody really that could do the Bill Bush thing because, uh, right. you know, Bill Bush has been around football a while. Um, you know, he's he's been on the defensive side of the ball uh, before. But so, so I just don't think it's as simple as defense because defense, you can have a couple schemes, you get them right and you can then you can mix and match. But offense, you have to have an entire like utility belt of mm-hmm. different schemes and different packages. It's it's a lot more complicated, right? Um, that's I mean that's that's why one of the reasons. I mean it's only one game and Northwestern's one and five up to this point. But that's one of the reasons I was pretty impressed with Jim Leonard's first showing as Wisconsin's head coach. I mean that's mm-hmm. one of the things he had to do on that staff was retool the offensive staff and try to get him in the right direction. And like we talked about, he's a defensive head coach. And again, it's only one game, but they beat the living crap out of Northwestern. And that's we lost to them the very first game of the year. So, yep. um, yeah, uh, one, one thing I did want to mention real quick, uh, uh, we haven't really got into uh, much uh, coaching search stuff, stuff as of late for good reason. Um, it's there's boring not really, right now. Yeah, I it's mean, boring. It's, there's not. This yeah, there's not really, going on. Yeah, there's not really stuff to talk much to talk about. Plus, uh I think a lot of Nebraska fans are in a sort of mode where we're we're all sort of coming around to the idea of potentially Mickey maybe getting this done at least mm-hmm. to now. Look, we've had two conference wins in a row. So, um, but I will say uh, the other day uh, there was there was news out of the NFL uh, that one prime candidate for uh, our coaching job became available. It's Matt Rule. He was mm-hmm. the coach of the Carolina Panthers. Um, wasn't a great NFL coach by uh, by most people's accounts. All um, people never could get the offense. Never could get the offense going. Always sort of had a mercenary no. qu- for quarterback. Um, yeah, <clears throat> but you could speak yeah. more on it. You're an NFL yeah. guy. So, no, so here's the thing um, with, with rule, especially in the NFL. 
You're right about the quarterback. He never had the set guy like this is the guy you're going to build around. He did have that at running back. He had like some yeah. weapons on defense. Like they had like decent teams if if you looked at their roster. The quarterback was a big question mark. But Teddy Bridgewater is a decent quarterback. Gets hurt a lot. But Baker Mayfield comes in. Like th- th- he got he lost his job because you take Baker Mayfield who had his ups and downs and in Cleveland, but he most of the, he made some bonehead mistakes. That's just his game. Um, he plays very much like you know Johnny Manziel kind of um, a little you know, bit more very, refined, but I agree a little bit more refined. But he's pretty erratic uh, for yeah. an NFL quarterback. But you know he, it didn't look like they had even an identity. They didn't look. He didn't look like they had the coaching. There was there was some stuff like that. Yeah. Were definite coaching mistakes this year that you know lost them some games so yeah i watched a couple of their games they were not fun to watch and i will say no. this about baker baker baker's footwork looks yeah. like drew Brees. i mean his footwork is really good his mm-hmm. footwork looks like drew Brees, but his decision making looks like johnny manzel that's what's that's what's interesting <laughs> yeah. about it it's yeah. like because johnny manzel he once johnny manzel was just a gamer in college because he's a really good athlete and he once could he run got around in the circles other, and yes. toss up the ball and have his like, five star receivers make plays. Uh-huh. Like yes, oh, and when you get to the NFL, <laughs> and when you get to the NFL and you have you know five time Pro Bowlers at the end rushing you down, you know it's not the same thing. And his no. his lack of fundamentals really showed themselves. Enough of a tangent on Johnny Manziel. We're on Matt Rule. So yeah. Matt Matt Rule uh, has emerged. I mean, we've been talking about him. I think we we mentioned him on the podcast. We before. mentioned him. Yeah. Um, he has a hell of a track record at, at the college level. I do want to make a note that like one thing that almost nobody talks about with uh, coaching candidates these days is like some of these guys, once NIL became a thing, some of these guys and their coaching styles and their philosophies are going to reveal themselves as being archaic, as being they're going to be a little bit of dinosaurs. Um, and I think that's coming to fruition at certain places. I won't name names, but I think if you're listening, you probably have a couple places in mind. Um, Matt Rule, nah, no, definitely not. <laughs> no, um, let's say de- let's say uh, 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 Death Valley number two. L- let me just put it that way. <laughs> um, <laughs> anyway, uh, so Matt Rule was a very successful program builder. He built. Um, a lot of success at Temple over the course mm-hmm. of th- three years, I believe it was. Uh, they improved every year. Um, they were a good team. I remember I watched them, actually. Houston played them in the uh, ACC championship. I was at that game. And uh, they played hard. They were a good team. I mean, yeah. and, and then he goes and to they, Baylor. Yeah, yeah. And, and and those Temple teams, they were playing against good Houston teams. Like, yes. Like, it was when, like, and Navy was still, like, they've taken a couple steps back. But, like, playing Navy was tough. Oh yeah, uh, you know Houston and, and, had some elite athletes, and so did, yeah. and Navy. Navy had had really really good athletes too, but they ran they ran that uh, old school triple option. Yeah, but they ran it they ran it so well that year, and they they were a, they were a tough team. Anyway, so Rule had success in a league that you look at it it's AAC. Blah, blah, blah. But Temple isn't even an easy place to win in the AAC. Okay, uh, it is not an easy place to win. Um, and he won. And, and and he won and he won there, and yeah. um, and the the then he goes to Baylor, he goes to Baylor right after the whole Art Briles scandal. Won't get into that, but it was it was a very touchy and tumultuous time for the program, mm-hmm. and 
they needed a guy to come in and be a culture builder, to be the face of the program, and to just be a good guy that everyone likes. And so that was one of the reasons they actually went with Matt Rule because, I mean, that's the thing about Matt Rule is he's it's hard not to like Matt Rule when you watch him in press conferences. He's a nice guy, and he seems like he really knows what he's talking about, and you can see why his players rally around him. Anyway, takes Baylor. They go 2-7 and seven the first year, or 1-7, and seven, something like that. They, mm-hmm. they, they had a horrible record. Uh, that, that's not even 12 games, but they went bad. They had they had a bad record in that first year. And then he they, they had a pretty good year in their second year, and then went 11-3 and three in his third year. Um, and then he moved on in the NFL. And then Aranda came in right after that. Mm-hmm. Um, so Matt Rule has his coaching record for the better part of a decade is basically of him building and having success at places where it's hard to have success, places that are considered little brothers in their league. Um, and in the case of Baylor, it was in a very tumultuous time, similarly to the the resume point that everyone makes on, on Bill O'Brien, whole different situation, but very similar um, in, in job scope from a coaching perspective. Um, and so Matt Rule has a lot of people's attention and a lot of people's respect for that regard. Um, for me, I, I wouldn't be crazy about it, but l- l- let me just put it this way. As long as it's not Matt Campbell. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, yeah. I'm sorry, Matt Campbell. Like, the way he's been coaching lately. You don't want to take – let me ask you this. Matt Rule coming off of, coming off of a tumultuous NFL career. Does that give a guy a funk? Do, let me let me ask it to you in the in a bigger, broader, broader way. Do you do you take a guy who's coming off of some recent, you know, maybe he hasn't he's had success before, but he hasn't had success in recent years, right? Like Matt Campbell. Matt Campbell is is an example of that. He's he's had what is to be considered really good astronomical success at a or at Iowa State. Eight win seasons, one nine win season, I believe. And this mm-hmm. year he might go five and seven. Matt Rule, as I said, you know, is a proven program builder, but that's before all the changes in in procedures before the NIL era. Things change, mm-hmm. and he's coming off of tumultuous, bad. I mean, not, no success in the NFL. So um, this is a pro. The way I look at it is, you don't want to take someone's baggage like if you're Nebraska. You know what I mean? You have enough baggage if you're Nebraska. You don't need to be taking a coach that also needs to get over the hump. That's the way I look at it. I don't know. What What are your thoughts on it? I I don't know if I need to lump Matt Rule in there, but he sort of sort of meets those those uh, parameters as well. Yeah. No, for sure. And you know, I think you're right on the point of the the whole baggage thing, uh, especially when it comes to Matt Rule. Um, Sorry, I was trying to pull up a funny image of him that I had in my head. He does this little <laughs> thing with his teeth that goes, and he does that all the time. Um, and he's always wearing vests. He's always wearing those windbreaker vests with the hood. <laughs> he is. He is. Um, yeah. <laughs> Hold on. I'm just gonna. I'm gonna sh- share this image search uh, with you. It's it's really funny. Um, but because you're right, there's there's all these uh, there's. <laughs> these spin breakers but but you're right when when you're you know going on the like nfl train right and you're you're trying to have success in the nfl it's completely different than college it's like 
you know, night and day, just completely different. Um, so I wouldn't be as pissed off as if they went with somebody. It's the same reason why like Urban is still in the conversation, right? Because he's a proven commodity in college. Um, he's just a winner. Uh, and he sucked in the NFL because it's a different animal. Um, mm-hmm. You know, very few college coaches have gone to the NFL and done well. Um, right. I mean, Pete Carroll, I mean, has had success, but it's still like. Well, he had really. one stint in the yeah. NFL before he was at USC. He wasn't yeah. any good in the NFL. Then he went to USC, won all those titles or one title. Uh, was <laughs> it one title or two titles? I don't in, remember. You, I th- in SC? I think in, he in the early two. 2000s. Yeah. Two titles. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, so he won titles at USC, and then he goes back to the NFL, and he wins a Super Bowl. Um, and so, you know, I'll put it to you this way. I would take Matt Rule over Zach Taylor any day of the week. Let me just put it to you that way. Because okay. Zach Taylor, while he is in Nebraska, and, and that, that seems like that I'm surprised that you don't agree with, or I don't know, I don't know, you haven't spoke yet. But to me, uh, Zach Taylor is, is exactly what you're talking about. He's proven it for a year in the NFL. We're see, we'll see how they go this year. But he's a young guy who's never coached in college at all. Whereas Matt Rule, while he wasn't a great NFL coach, and that's been pretty much proven at this point. Yeah. Um, I mean, he has a track record in college. So I, I for for that reason alone, I mean, and I haven't heard Zach Taylor's name coming up that much. But that yeah. was just something I was thinking about when we were talking about this. I would take Matt Rule over something like Zach Taylor. Now, and you're right. The uh, just the it's not even just the optics, the just the way that you have to win. You can have good magical seasons in the NFL. You just can. I mean, look at, I mean, Doug Peterson. Even though I think he's a good coach, we had the really great one Super Bowl winning season, and then the rest of his years there. If you just look at him in a in a microcosm of that one season being great. Uh, we're up and down, uh, poorly t- like coached teams. Um, some of that was like the management selling the house, and we didn't have cap space, so you had to trade players and do this. But that's the NFL. So, well, I that's wouldn't... Philadelphia. I mean, it's hard. It's hard. It's hard to. It's hard to. Uh... Okay. It's just funny okay. from Philadelphia perspective. It's like they ran Andy Reid out of town. You know what I mean? Andy sh- Reid's a legend. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like... You're right. <laughs> <laughs> I think Doug Peterson's a great coach. Like, I still don't understand what I mean. He couldn't get his what was it, his quarterback situation? He couldn't get it figured out. It, it was the yeah, it was just the COVID season, um, and people were tired because two years ago we were in the Super Bowl and then we're you know not even making the playoffs. But anyway, that's well, another you're also situation. great. You're also so far a great team this year, so it's hard for me to criticize. I mean. You know what I mean? Yeah. So far, yeah. you look really good. I mean, this yeah. week's going to be really interesting in that re- regard. They're playing the Cowboys, right? <laughs> yeah, on a Monday Sunday night, night football. Uh, Sunday night. Monday night, yeah. night or S- Sunday, Sunday night? Sunday. Yeah. Right. All right. Yeah, cool. Sunday. So we're going to get. Uh, we're going to get. Uh, uh, are we going to get uh, uh, Tony? Are we going to get Romo? Uh, I don't know. That, I know oh, he, dude, Tony Romo doing the Eagles and Cowboys game. That yeah. would be epic. <laughs> okay, you know, want to know something that is trippy this year? On well, the last point on the NFL, and we'll get back to the yeah, you know, sorry, conversation. Yeah. it's all but, it's all good. But the uh, <laughs> trippy thing is watching Thursday Night Football on Amazon Prime and having Herb Street there, like yeah, call in the game. It's kind of it's kind of weird. Um, yeah, I do like Herb Street, but yeah, I do, I do, I do too. 
um, and he's he's a fine announcer. But I think it's funny, like he knows all these guys from college, and he knows them mm-hmm. from college really well. So he's really focusing on like the college. And then I think it's Mike Musper that's with them or something. He's like, yeah, Al, it's Al Al Al, uh, Al Al Davis. Yeah, yeah, it is. Yeah, uh, or something like that. Uh, yeah. Anyway, yeah, you're, that's yeah. funny because when I when I have conversations with my friends that are big NFL NFL uh, fans, they'll be they'll bring up a player. I'll be like, oh, I know that guy. That guy played at Ole Miss. <laughs> I'll be like, oh, I know that guy. That guy played at Georgia Tech or where, you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> that's funny. Yeah. So yeah, it's kind of similar to that. He was talking about that on Pat McAfee's show. He was saying it was uh, going to be quite a challenge to have to learn college rosters at the same time while learning NFL rosters. But when he cracked down to sit down to do it, he realized, oh, <laughs> like all these guys played in college. Yeah. <laughs> okay, oh, there, there he is. is. There he is. In that, I thought that was a funny picture. But yeah, you're right. If you go into here and you just. <laughs> just scroll look at like all these it's all like, the best the vests and the, the there's one from baylor down here that <laughs> has the hood yeah the hood yeah. <laughs> yep we gotta adidas gotta get one of those made if we if we hire him i don't know You're it right. wouldn't be a bad hire it wouldn't be my no. first choice i don't i don't think it'd be the the match made in heaven fit um i i do want a guy that's not just gonna stepping stone us too i don't know if that's matt rule but he's stepping stoned places before um, two places that yeah, so when I say a non-stepping stone guy, the guy who immediately comes to mind is Lance Leipold. Um, this seems like if Lance Leipold is going to take a job like a Nebraska or a Wisconsin, he's in his, I mean, he's 62 or 63, something like that. This would be his, most likely his last destination. Yeah, um, and you know, so, I, I, know you're, I know you're really high on him. Um, and, you know, they almost beat an undefeated TCU team with a backup quarterback. They did. Uh, yeah, they had depth at the quarterback position. Better depth shoot. at the quarterback position than Oklahoma, dude. Like, that was one Nebraska. of the big talking points. Well, well, we'll see about that. We haven't really had to use our quarterback depth yet. But Oklahoma, they played their backup quarterback who was like, I don't know, a second string at Pitt or something like that a couple years ago. Yeah. He, he was looked terrible. He looked oh, terrible. Awful. Meanwhile, Kansas' backup quarterback – like he like runs a four five in a straight line and can like throw darts. <laughs> yeah, I think so, part of that. Gotta the, respect Leipold and what he's done. You gotta yeah, respect Leipold. Part of that guy's done. success though is he's been on the field this year. They've used him a lot. Um, oh really? I didn't. Yeah. I didn't know. Yeah, that. they, they what, have what? packages for him for like uh, running and and he. I think he's been on split for like receiver a couple times. And I've which seen which means he gets reps before. in practice too. You know, yeah, that, yeah, yeah. So so that helps. Yeah, but. Uh, yeah, yeah, so no, I, I I know what you're saying about Leipold. Um, I know what you're saying. I just uh, Mickey. Yeah, you, you know, this is his big test. This is his big test this week. It really is. Um, this isn't make a break for like if he gets the job or not. But as far as the rest of the season goes and the team, this week is huge. If we can pull out a win this week, um, I think this team is going to have its mojo. And, uh, you know, it, then it's going to get real interesting. We're going to be two wins away from this. a bowl. And, Let me ask you this. Let me pose yeah. a question to you. Just theoretically, let's just dream for a second, okay? Okay. Let's just dream for a second. If Nebraska wins the game this weekend emphatically, let's say they win the game emphatically, we go into – Purdue, and we beat them by two or even three scores. Let's just say theoretically. Is it possible for Mickey to win the job this weekend? 
because the sentiment around Husker Nation really, really feels like it's turning towards Mickey. And the three win in a row thing, after going on the road, beating Purdue like that, could earn a lot, uh, going into a bye week, could earn a lot of favor in that way. Now, the, the if you're Trev, to me, if you're Trev, what you're thinking about is, well, the black shirt thing, right? I've heard a lot of people mention that lately, which is like, yeah, we want, to, want them to get the black shirts, but every time they get the black shirts, we get our asses kicked in the next game. You know, it's like, if you're, if you're Trev and you see him on a three-game win streak and then you take the interim tag off of Mickey and you give him a contract and then he goes 0-5, <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like, exactly. and you want to, yeah, so I've thought about it, maybe, but it would be a pretty, I'd be surprised. I would be surprised. Uh, what an interesting question that you just posed. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> do I think he gets the job after this week? No, no, I don't think so. Uh, the thing I think that he is doing, you see when we've talked about it before, you see him engaged, you see him on the sidelines, you see him coaching. Um, I know shocker for a coach to do, um, but you know, you just, you see the guys buying, <laughs> you see the guys buying in, you see the guys buying in and you see them wanting to play for him. Um, when really they could have all left, they could have all transferred and we had one guy and who had a valid reason to transfer. It wasn't that he didn't want to be there. It's that he couldn't do what he wanted to do there. So, I don't know. Um, something good he's been doing is the media. Uh, I think he's won over the media, definitely, with his, his conferences, just you know how he coaches in general, um, how he talks about the team. He's very realistic. Um, you know, He'll call out things that he does wrong, and he's not afraid to call out players. Uh, Coaches in the past and coaches in general, I think, do players disservice when they want to, you know, save their feelings, um, you know, especially in press conferences, because, you know, like, oh, you know, I need to do better. I need to do better. I don't want him talking about me. Like, mm-hmm. keep, keep my name out your wife's mouth, <laughs> you know. <laughs> I think coaches toe the line with what they say to a player's face or around the team off the record. Versus what they all say about a player um, in a press conference, which is, which is right. It is right, but I do see like if a player's being chewed out in practice, and then they go into press conference and you say, "How's this player doing?" and the guy goes, "Oh, he's great. He's one of the best players on the team." And blah 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 blah. And then so if you're a player, you're like, "I just got chewed out in practice, and now you know what I mean." So. Mm-hmm. There's a little bit of consistency that's been uh, that's been applied across the. But look, I don't think we've had a coach like Mickey at Nebraska in a long time. And I'll say the same thing about Coach Bush. Um, the way they conduct themselves on the sideline, the way they conduct themselves in press conferences. Um, coach Bush is um, he's one of. I'm I'm getting the sneaking suspicion, and we've had two games to see it, but I'm getting the sneaking suspicion that he might be one of the best kept secrets in college football. This dude can coach his ass off, okay? And not only can he coach his ass off, he can recruit his ass off. You know, I was looking at the best players from the early Bo era. You know who recruited all of them? Bill Bush. I didn't know that. Amuka Mera, hmm. two-star. Bill Bush found him. Amuka Mera was a two-star? And Bill Bush found him. Like, all these dudes that, like, I, and there's more. There's, like, 
There's, I could drop a lot of them, but I, I wouldn't be able to like accurate. The Prince Mukamara is the only one that I remember for sure. But there was a number of names on that list from that era that were Bill Bush gets. And I'm just like, yeah, like, and now you look at it, he's taken over the defense and not only are they, have they looked a little better? They've, sh- look, people want to say, oh, it was Indiana and Rutgers. Okay, well, we lost to Northwestern. Okay, well, we gave up 642 yards to Georgia Southern. Okay, well, we had a legitimate game with a 16-play drive that was levied against us by an FCS team. Like, what are we even talking about? These were yep. two <clears throat> conference games where the defense didn't just look better. They looked like a completely different team. They completely. were firing off the ball. They were making their tackles for the most part. Their, their missed tackles were cut in more than half in each of those games on average. I mean, they yeah. averaged 13-plus missed tackles going into the Indiana game. Yeah, <laughs> it, And in those it, two games, they had like six. Yeah, it almost looks like, you know... And we talked about this when Scott got fired. How the team was playing like they were trying to play because they knew their coach was trying to be fired. So they were like trying really hard. Sometimes when you try too hard, you don't play very well because you're trying too hard. You're not just playing the game. And, mm-hmm. you know, they, they kind of had that. And damn. And then once once Chenander's gone, I mean, if Chenander, if. If we had our bye week, and we definitely could have in between the Oklahoma game, because now looking at Oklahoma, that game is probably our worst loss of the season. And I'm not – it really is. It's our worst loss of the season because, um, you know, first game under Mickey, get the momentum, uh, definitely could have. We are one Dylan Gabriel, I believe, because I was in the stadium and we could feel it, one Dylan Gabriel scramble, like touchdown scramble, away from that game being broken wide open. I really do believe that. Um, but yeah, yeah, the defense is playing completely different. And if you look at it, since Scott was fired, how many points have they given up in the second half? Zero. No, since I mean, Scott was fired, seven. Oh, since oh, in the oh yeah, in the second half, seven. You're right seven. about that. Seven, even in the, in the Oklahoma half. game, and then. Yeah, and then, yeah, even in the Oklahoma game, even though like they, they weren't really trying. The game was over. Yeah, but was over. to be fair, that score in the Oklahoma game was because our offense came right out on the field and fumbled and gave them the ball on the 35-yard line. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so, yeah, and so they didn't so, put our defense in the best position either. No, no. And they haven't okay. all year. Yeah, Sorry, they haven't all Chen- year. Chenander's gone, okay? Chenander's gone, and no points in the second half. That – and Bill Bush was very gracious in saying, like, you know, the players, they just, they, you know, they went out and, you know, they, they knew what they had to do. And yes, to a point, but also halftime adjustments are a thing. Um, you see what they're doing on offense. You make your adjustments and you go. The most time you have to do that is halftime. And so they have made defense adjustments at halftime that have proven to work, and that's coaching. So... Mm-hmm. You know, it, it's one of those things that you just, you know, it's a quantifiable thing you can see. And we haven't seen it as Nebraska fans in a really long time. So it's kind of like, yeah. oh, what, what is that? <laughs> yeah. So. Well, okay. So we're, we're leading up to the Purdue game and we've talked about our defense. I, I, I um, am starting to gain a little bit of confidence in them. But there's one glaring Uh-oh. issue about this game. Um, and it's something we haven't really touched on yet. It is our offensive line. 
And I, oh, I, I don't thought want to talk Casey's, about that. <laughs> and I, I thought Casey's comments in the press conference for his thought process about the game was like the most telling thing about our offensive line. He was like, I knew the defensive line. I knew, I knew the rush. They were going to start getting tired at some point. That's I mean, he actually said that. He goes, I knew they were going to start getting tired at some point, and they did. So he, he, he didn't even think, like, maybe my offensive line will start protecting. He said, no, 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 they're going to slow down. They're big guys. They're not going to be able to run that fast for that long. <laughs> So that puts it into a little bit of perspective as, as to what Casey is seeing when he's, when yeah. he's out there. I mean, no, you've probably it, been a quarterback on a team with a bad offensive line. What does it feel like? Oh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, your your internal on. your internal like clock that you have in your head when you're passing goes from three to like a second and a half before you start freaking out. Not freaking right. out, but before you really start thinking about it. And then it, it, it infects like you're playing and all that. Um, one Whereas thing before that, you might be able to get three reads in, you can only get really like one yeah. read in. Yeah. And one, one thing that I think that we, how we can counteract that just from an offensive play, you know, standpoint uh, get, and it's hard because Casey's banged up now um, to take him seriously as a runner, but get the quarterback involved in the runner. Because he has had a couple good runs here and there, but he hasn't been a part of the offense like that. They can't rush as hard as they are every single play if they respect you as a runner. That was one thing that Martinez had, which is why our offensive line seemed to hold up and then he just held on to the ball too long. That's not really happening. The first half that happened a lot, you do have to give the offensive line a little bit of credit that way. He was holding on the ball a little too long, uh, especially in the first. Not half. Adrian Long though. Not, not as Adrian long as Long. No. Not Adrian Long. No. Um, but you know, so that, that's long. one way that you, that's one way you can help uh, your offensive line is just to establish that run, so they have to second yeah. guess their play call. And then another one is just move them out of the pocket. I, you know, I I don't think we've seen him throw on the run a lot, but he's a good arm. It's not that hard to throw on the run. It's really not. I mean, so this is highlighting a good point, which is that some of this falls on a lot of this actually falls on the offensive coordinator, falls on Whipple. Yeah. Um, yeah. And well, you, you mentioned a couple of things that that he could do, which which is roll the quarterback out, get him involved in the run game, stuff like that. I agree. Another thing is screen passes. Like, can we execute a screen pass this year, please? Now, we you know ran I mean? a lot like, of screen passes. N- yeah, we do, but we don't execute them. Like, we can't get those yeah. perimeter blocks once the ball's thrown. We just can't. Sure. Like, we'll, we set it up well, but once the ball's in the dude's hands, everyone whiffs on the perimeter block. And it's just, ah, oh, dude, there was one that was set up for Grant beautifully the other day, and he had a lane and everything, but somebody just whiffed on their block, and then he ended up having two guys right on him. But that's another There was one that called passes. holding on Alante. Yeah, I remember that one. I remember that one. But the screen passes and, I mean, just the quick passing game. You know what I mean? Concepts where Casey only has to make one or two reads. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, um, th- those those are things, too, where it's like, man, uh, if, you, if you're Whipple, like, the whole game, you're trying to get that long bomb to Trey Palmer set up. And that's great. But sometimes it's not, especially in Big Ten play, sometimes it's not going to be there on the first drive. Matter of fact, a lot of times it's not going to be there on the first drive. Because mm-hmm. Casey's just not going to have time to let that to go through that progression um so short quick progressions really uh in summary is, is a lot of what he could do 
Um, and I think he'll adjust. Um, yeah. I, I, look, we have tackles right now that are grading out as a zero on PFF, which means on pass plays, they didn't protect the quarterback once. They didn't, they didn't stop anybody. <laughs> like, so yeah. as an offensive coordinator, you got to adjust to that. And I think Whipple's figuring that out, but they also got to figure out the personnel. Cause I mean, there's only so much you can do. Um, we, we, they started Hunter Anthony over Ben Hart. I believe he got more snaps this game. Um, people have mentioned moving Nash Hutchmacher to, to, to offensive <laughs> line. Um, I, I, I've also heard people say, you know, moving people, certain people more outside, moving other people in. I mean, that's a coach's job, especially an offensive line coach. You got to diagnose who has the feet to play tackle and yeah. who doesn't. Because being a guard is much different than being a tackle. Being a guard, um, you got to have good feet still. I mean, you're not going to be on a football field unless you got good feet, but still at, at a guard, you're more in a phone booth. A lot of the blocks you make are are just supported by the sheer amount of humanity that you have around you down there in the trenches yeah. a lot of the times. Whereas if you're a tackle, most of the blocks you're making, especially on pass plays, are going to be out in space, and you got to be you got to be light on your feet. And just none of these guys, I just don't understand. None of these guys that are playing tackle for us. I don't know if it's a coaching thing or if it's a technique thing, or if it's just pure athleticism. But they they don't they they they're on skates every single one of them. Yeah, and the tackles. Um, yeah, yeah, every they, single one of them. I mean, you know as well as I do that uh, there's a reason that NFL tackles are paid so much money. It's a hard position to play. And if you don't have somebody that, you know, is your guy there, because we have, like, I think you said it during the game, we have guards playing tackles. Um, We don't have that, you know, especially on the left side. um, You know, we don't have that, which is, you know, the most of the time the blind side of the quarterback, which is why it's so important. We don't have that game breaker guy there. Uh, we just don't. Um, but mm-hmm. you know, the, the, I think they're doing the best they can. I really do. I mean, you see them on a couple plays, just completely whiff. But you know, when they're engaging the guys, they're not getting completely blown off the ball. You know, like mm-hmm. defensive guys are making plays here and there, but their actual engagement when they get the guy good, they get him good. Um, mm-hmm. So, uh, you know, yeah. I don't think, yeah. I think a lot of our supplemental blockers are good too, meaning like tight ends and running backs. I feel bad for the running backs on protections because a lot of the times the situations they're getting in is like uh, they're try- having to choose between two or three different guys. Have you noticed yeah. that? Where yeah. it's like where it's like the running back's like, all right, I'm going to block for the pass. And then like it's like three different dudes. And he's like, oh, shit, who do I choose? And then by the time he's chosen, it's too late. Yeah. Um, and, and that's and that's what happens. But I do think our tight ends block well. Um, and and Anthony Grant, uh, uh, this was in the Indiana game, but uh, he had a lead block on Casey's touchdown going into the end zone, uh, the very the the final touchdown of the game. Um, yeah, he put a dude on his complete butt. Oh, and this this last game too, uh, uh, Grant had a play. Uh, Grant had a play where, it, well, the famous one where he had the ball, but there was another one where he literally truck just trucked an offensive line or a defensive lineman, dude, just completely trucked a defensive lineman, oh, like yeah. knocked him on his butt, and it wasn't even like a, like a, uh, like a crack back type of, you know, like I caught him, in between steps type of hit, like no, 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 he got under his pads and beat this dude, mm-hmm. <laughs> and this dude was like three hundred thirty pounds, 
put him on his butt. And I'm like, can we have Anthony Grant, like, just like, can we, can we have him sprinkle a little bit of that onto, onto some of our offensive line guys? Where, But I do see your point. I do see your point because they're, I don't know if they're being out physical. I, I, I agree with that, actually. I think they're being out techniqued in a lot of cases. And... Yeah schemed i don't know what their protections look like when, from a fan's perspective and even from a, a pro football focus perspective the grading uh service they don't know the plays you know what i mean so so they don't know what the offensive lineman was asked to do um and it's hard to tell in that sense because he could have a completely different assignment and it could have been been the guard's fault and we would have yeah. no idea you know what i mean um but yeah so Offensive lines really got to come together, and they just got to they got to be serviceable. We can't be giving up 21 pressures in a game, which was what we gave no. up against Rutgers. 21 pressures, one sack. That's crazy. And Whipple talked about it. He goes, uh, he goes. That's the most like deceptive stat of that whole game was that they only got one sack. <laughs> like, yeah. <laughs> very true. Very true. Yeah. Very true. Um, so there's a there's a stat that. Uh, I want to try to pull up here that I saw that was circulating on uh, social media. Um, let me see if I can pull it. Yeah, here it is. It, uh, so this is on uh, the top uh, wide yes. receivers in college football through six weeks. Um, so look, there's two Ohio State guys there and Nebraska, Trey Palmer. Um, so I don't remember the last time that we had a dude perform like him or you know ever because he's on track to beat almost <laughs> i heard like someone say it records. today and it, and it like almost made me do a spit take irving fryer <laughs> literally like like the last time we've really had a receiver that has the tan intangible stuff that trey palmer has is like Irving Fryer, dude. Like, yeah. like th this dude is going to be a potential NFL. I mean, he's probably going to be a second or third round pick um, at the receiver spot. We'll see. I'm I'm no expert. I thought JoJo was going to get drafted in like the first round last year. So, <laughs> so, so yeah. we'll see. I remember I posted on Husker Max. They were like, who do you think is going to get drafted? I listed like 20 players or something. I got laughed at. <laughs> It's like I don't care. These dudes are good. I'd take them. <laughs> um, yeah. Um, yeah jo I mean, JoJo is legit. I, I still think he's a steal for anybody that that got him. Which is which is Indianapolis, right? Yeah, he's yeah, on he, Indianapolis. He made, the, he made the squad too. I saw him on TV. Yeah. Did uh, he play? Has is he playing? I think it was on um, special teams. I think he made a tackle actually. Um, oh, okay. So let's get into this Purdue game. Yeah, yeah. Let's get into um, it. They, they have a dynamic offense. Aiden O'Connell is their starting quarterback for the 12th year in a row, and he's a good quarterback. He's got got a lot of tools. He can make a lot of throws. He's going to put the ball in a position for his receivers to make a play. Um, their no, most notable receiver is a, a guy named Chris Jones, who is a transfer from uh, from Iowa. And uh, uh, he's he's got <laughs> – I heard this the other day. He's got more receiving touchdowns this year than Iowa's offense – has total <laughs> so i think he made the right decision going to <laughs> purdue because their their offense is dynamic and their their offensive line is a bit beat up uh, as yeah. a lot of offensive lines tend to get this deep in the year uh here we are almost halfway through the year look at that um but their their offensive line is a a little beat up so we'll see what the what the uh matchup looks like there and they have 
a ragtag. I watched a couple of their games. They have a ragtag group of walk-ons as their running back core, pretty much. And <laughs> and look, that doesn't sound good on paper when I say a group of walk-ons as their running back core, but these dudes can run. I mean, they're good. Mm-hmm. They're they're good. Uh, the uh, guy uh, number forty-seven, I believe, his number is. Anyway, I, I don't know any of the running backs' names because they're walk-ons, but they're good. <laughs> so. Yeah. All right. Yeah. So I pulled up the stats here. Um, Alrighty. Just for ESPN, the matchup predictor uh, that that checks out. Um, <laughs> uh, but you know, uh, if you look at here. Uh, you know, points per game, 28 to 32. That's not insurmountable, especially because we haven't scored a lot minus of points. 14. Look at yeah. the spread, man. Yeah. Two yeah. touchdown it, spread. It, yeah, it opened up at a 11 and it's gone up. Um, Let me ask you this. When's the last, and through all this turmoil, when's the last time we've had a spread that steep when we're not playing like Ohio State or Michigan or a team like that? I can't really remember. I can't really yeah. remember. You know what? And you know what's funny? It kind of puts a, a little bit of a smile on my face because think about it. Like every game going in this is like, how the hell are we a three-point favorite? We've lost our last six games. Or like, yeah. how the hell is this? A, are, are we only a two-point dog? Like <laughs> our, our defense just gave up 642 yards to Georgia Southern or, or something like that. But this yeah. one is like, okay, Vegas is finally accepted. They're like, okay. We're gonna make them two two t- two touchdown dogs. We're gonna yeah. make them two touchdown dogs. What do you think of that? That's crazy. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. If you look at it, I mean, you know these these stats here. Uh, I think they're really skewed just because of how poorly the first couple games of our season went, especially on the defensive side of the ball. Um, and so you know. If you look at it like that, and then you're looking at the numbers, we're not that far off, uh, especially like on the yards allowed. Um, I mean, rush yards, yeah, it's, that's pretty bad. But I mean, if, if you look at it and just think about how historically bad those first like couple games were the beginning of the season, that's not that bad. Um, they're playing better now. Um, so, I mean, yards allowed... It's skewed because those are averages. Um, you know, I don't know. I don't know. Now, I, this is arguably the best. Uh, well, it's arguably the best team we've played so far uh, this year. Uh, and, and it's arguably the best defense uh, for sure. I mean, the, only, the only one I would say maybe is is matches up is, is Rutgers. Their defense was pretty good. Uh, Shiano usually has pretty uh, well coached and stout defenses. Um, yeah, that's the only one maybe. But Purdue has a good defense. They got a lot of veterans, yeah. a lot of five and six year guys. Um, and uh, Bill Bush. I mean, it's, he's not coaching against their defense, but Bill Bush used uh, an interesting word to describe their team uh, today in the press conference, which is gifted. He kept saying gifted, um, and uh, which is that's quite a, a high praise in my book. Gifted. That's like. Uh, that's that's pretty good. So this is going to be the best team we've played so far. Um, Nebraska is finally coming around and playing good football. Uh, we think that this is a completely different team uh, than they were before, but they're about to have a chance to definitively prove it. 
um, because this be this weekend, football? if they if they win, then then they are playing good football, and this is a definitively t- good better team than than they yes. were before. Um, so yes. that's my point. Uh, this weekend yeah. is the is the the time that they have to prove that. I think yeah. I have a suspicion that they are, but I but here we go. This is no, a real game. Th- this this weekend is is definitely the litmus test of um, the new coaching staff. You know, they kind of they had a longer week to prepare uh, because you know we played on Friday, so they had an extra day and to recover and to recover. Um, so that, that might actually play into it. Cause you know, a couple of our guys were a little bit banged up. Um, especially Casey, um, that dude's tough, very tough. But, uh, yeah. So in, in terms of this matchup, if like you said, they have a ragtag group on, you know, the running back. And if you looked at those numbers, their leading rusher has like two seventy five on 50 carries and you know grant has 647 so just just comparatively we've been watching nebraska all year i mean he's had some good runs here or there he's by no means won us the game on the ground for his legs he's made plays he's got us in position but it's been kind of a team effort if we can stop their passing game we win walking away and I really do think that because our run defense has been doing a lot better. Um, I think even Ro- it might have been Robinson in a uh, interview this uh, one of the conferences this week. He said like you know it's it's different how we're like rotating. He said I'm out of breath like a lot less. I come out feeling refreshed, and I think we got a good groove going. And you know it that shows especially on the defensive line. Um, because you know those guys just always looked gassed and out of breath, um, but they haven't. They haven't. Um, so I think if we can get some pressure on the quarterback, especially, um, you know, look for it to be you know possibly going the other way. Um, but yeah, let's let's uh we're at fifty three here. Let's let's get into the actual score predictions here. Yeah. So my thought process on this is. Um Purdue's a good team, um, and if Nebraska plays as bad as they can play, because we've seen them play very bad this year, okay? So if they play as bad as they can play, um, Purdue will win by two scores, and they'll cover. Um, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm still not saying that it'll be like a romping 49-10, to 10, sort of very sad. I don't think it'll be that. I don't think Purdue... I just don't think it'll be that. I don't want to say too much because then, you know, this will get clipped. Anyway. Um, <laughs> anyway. Uh, so my thought process is in 2010, or actually, let me go back even further. In 2007, Nebraska was the top 15 team to start the year. And I was excited. I thought they were going to be very good. And they got trashed by USC, went five and seven that year, and were terrible. And they let us down. Then Bo Pelini takes over. They had two, one pretty good year as his first year, and then a great year as his second year defensively. And so then in 2010, we come out and our offense looks like they're looking. And I'm like, oh my God, here we go. Here we go. I started drinking the Kool Aid again. Then they let us down against Texas. And uh, it was not a bad year, but. I felt let down. I feel like a lot of fans did as well. Um, 
So then, and then Scott Frost gets hired. So fast forward, the most hope I had had up until that point was, oh no, we have Scott Frost now. And then I get let down. And then going into this year, it's like, oh, Scott Frost, he retooled his staff. We got 14 new transfer portal additions. We're top 10 in the in transfer portal classes, blah, 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 blah. Here we go, baby. This is the year. And then I got let down. So now here we are. And Scott Frost has been fired. And Eric Chenander has been fired. And the team has had two games where they look like a completely different team. And so one might be tempted to say, oh, here we go. This is a new team. Here we go. Let's go. We're going to win the Big Ten West. Let's go. Let's go. I'm not going to be got. I'm not going to get got again by this team. Not to say that I don't believe in them, because I'll say this. If Nebraska, it's Nebraska versus Nebraska. If they show up and they play as good as they can play, they can win this game and maybe even surprise people. And I won't say kill them, but win by two scores, let's just say. Um, but I, I don't, I don't want to predict that that's going to happen. I, I, I just don't want to predict that that's going to happen. That's my thought process. So okay. I think the game will go like this. I think they will go up 17 to – they'll go up 10 to nothing, and then they'll go up 17 to 7 at one point late in the game. And I think we'll come storming back tie the game up and then they'll they'll get the ball back with too much time and it'll it'll end up 24-17 or 20 to 17 one of those one of those two so you do have um, us cover the spread so i do have us covering the spread i do have us covering the spread but i don't have us winning the game so i have a 24-17 win uh by purdue yeah okay so while you were talking uh 24-17 um is your prediction um mm -hmm. so i just was curious uh, about our all-time meetings uh, when the last time we beat them was and all that and the series is tied um okay it's <laughs> it's tied the home is two and two away is three and three and uh the last time we beat them was a covid season uh so we haven't really beat them because covid i give everybody a pass that year um I mean, we beat Penn State that year, and Penn State only won like three games. Yeah, so. with Luke McCaffrey at quarterback. Yeah, so. not Christian McCaffrey. Not Christian McCaffrey. No, I would have taken Christian McCaffrey at quarterback for sure. <laughs> yeah. So, the, <laughs> so the last time we like really beat them in a normal season, Mike Riley was head coach. So, it's been a while big step. since we. This would be a yeah. big step. Yeah, this is we haven't beat them in a meaningful game since Mike Riley, and the season was already over. So that you could even argue <laughs> that wasn't really even a meaningful game. Um, so yeah, so it's it's been oh, a, it's been a long it's been a slobber knocker. Um, <laughs> sorry, What's your to, sorry to sorry to dampen your spirit there, uh, but you know, I feel. Like something's got to give at some point. At some point, we are going to turn the corner because of how much talent we have on the team. We're still more, we have more talent on our actual roster than Purdue. Um, so if you look at it like that, something is eventually going to give with these games of these teams that, you know, we should be beating. It's not going to be this year, though. I just don't think it's going to be this year. I think eventually we'll turn the corner. Um, and I'm not counting out the guys. 
but our offense past couple weeks has been kind of suspect. They haven't been, you know, doing what Whipple really want, prides himself on doing, scoring a lot of points and, you know, being that high-powered offense. So in that vein, I'm going to say it's going to be 42 to 21. Purdue. Wow. Wow. So you're going you to think score, our defense is going to fall apart too, huh? Yes, but I think they're going to score. I think it's going to be, you know, close going into the half. We might even have like a little bit of a lead. And I think they're going to go in, Purdue is, and going to make some um, adjustments. And they're going to come out with a couple scores in the second half and, and stifle our offense a little bit. Uh, we probably even got some injuries that made it insurmountable. And it just feels like that's going to happen. Um, we'll see. So. I think this is going to be close, man. I, I I do. I don't think I don't see that happening. Uh, I hope it doesn't happen. But I I, uh, I I think this is going to be close, man. I I don't know if we're going to pull away with the win. Um, usually teams get spotted a couple points just for having the home field advantage. And um, I I watched Purdue's first game against Penn State this year. That's a hell of an environment. It really is. When yeah. it's rocking and at night, it's legit. And um, Rutgers, uh, Rutgers wasn't a real sellout. Let's just say that uh, compared to this. Um, but, but yeah, you know, it's funny. You were talking about Scott Frost, who for some reason, you know, it popped into my mind when you mentioned Scott Frost. What? That episode of SpongeBob when he's like, when he, <laughs> it's an episode of SpongeBob when he like won't go outside and he's got like a penny and a chip and a napkin as, as a, as a friend. <laughs> Scott Frost is the gorilla in that episode because he's scared to go outside because he's scared of a gorilla and the gorilla looks all mean and tough, mean and tough. And then by the end of the episode, it real, he realizes it's just a guy in a gorilla suit <laughs> and the gorilla rides off on a guy in a horse suit. Uh, <laughs> that's kind of what Scott Frost's tenure at Nebraska felt like. <laughs> They're on to us. <laughs> <laughs> yeah i know it's a super uh, random thought but i had to get yeah. it in there before we end it <laughs> yeah yeah well yeah i guess we should end it there um any, <laughs> and, the, <laughs> i i don't have anything else to say so i think that's going to be it for today on the corn husker corner always remember that there's no place like this, this podcast, podcast.